Former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley announces that she will be announcing she's running for president of the United States. And a Biden judicial nominee can't tell you what the Constitution says. Shocking. All of that today on the Palmetto Family Matters Podcast. Welcome into the fastest growing conservative podcast in the state of South Carolina, the Palmetto Family Matters Podcast. Justin Hall here with you on a special midweek edition as we break down some monumental news in the race for the White House. And we'll get to that in just a moment. But first, I want to remind you that the Vision 2024 Forum is coming to North Charleston. That's on March the 18th, Saturday, March 18th, Vision 2024 Forum. We have a number of of invited guests that are set to attend, and we are excited for a full day as we cast the vision for conservatives in the race to the White House in 2024. Tickets are on sale now. You can go to palmettofamily.org and click on the Vision 24 right at the top. It is the top button on the website. Get your tickets today. They are going fast. We have a limited capacity in that room, and you're going to want to be there. You can purchase just a seat, or you can purchase VIP access Get a chance to meet and greet some of the folks who will be there. Going to be an awesome time on March 18th, the Vision 2024 Forum, as we cast the conservative vision ahead of the run to the White House in 2024. Get your tickets today. Speaking of the race to the White House in 2024, former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley, the news broke last night that she is sending out an invitation to an announcement. So she's announcing the announcement that on February the 15th at the Shed in Charleston, she will announce that she is running for president of the United States. She joins just one other confirmed candidate, that is Donald Trump, in the run for the White House and specifically the Republican ticket. So what does this mean for Governor Haley? What does this mean for South Carolina? It's it's interesting because former President Trump was in South Carolina. He was in Columbia. He was inside the state house, the very state house that Nikki Haley formerly occupied as governor, the same state house that she was just at for Henry McMaster's inaugural address. He was there, touting his South Carolina leadership team. That includes the sitting governor, lieutenant governor, former lieutenant governor, sitting congressman, another sitting congressman, and the, one of the sitting senators. It's going to be a challenge, to say the very least, for Governor Haley. But here's the thing. As she's noted a couple times, she's never lost an election. She's never lost an election. Twice elected governor. She was in the House of Representatives here in the state of South Carolina and then became ambassador to the U.N. under then-President Donald Trump. But then she set herself apart by being open to criticizing the former president. That caused some parts of the party to splinter away from her, calling her a rhino, calling her establishment Republican, Warhawk, all these other things. Then you have the other side of the party that can kind of see a new generation of leadership. Remember, she touted this same line in 2016 when she endorsed Senator Marco Rubio. She and Tim Scott both endorsed Marco Rubio in the 2016 primary here in South Carolina. A new generation of leadership is what Nikki Haley is saying that South Carolina and the United States of America needs at a time like this. But again, back to former President Trump. Here's what the former president had to say when he was in South Carolina this Saturday. He was asked by WIS News 10 uh, reporter Mary Green, who, again, is right here in Columbia. He asked Mary Green, or she asked Donald Trump, and Mary and Donald Trump told Mary Green that he actually had a phone call with 
former Governor Haley just a few days ago. Take a look. She called me a few days ago just to talk to me, generally speaking. And I mean, I don't know whether or not she's running, if she if her heart's there. She said she would never run against me because I was the greatest president. But, you know, people change their opinions and uh, they change what's in their heart. So I said, if your heart wants to do it, you have to go do it. Did she indicate that she's thinking about running or going to really indicate she wanted to have my opinion, I think, more than anything else. She wanted to have my opinion, I think, more than anything else. She didn't tell him she was running. I think she wanted to have the conversation. And so this is an interesting setup for the former governor. Again, rose to notability and, and, and rose to prominence in her run for governor when Sarah Palin endorsed her campaign. Then you had a, a situation, obviously, with the tragedy that was the Mother Emanuel shootings in Charleston. Nikki Haley led the fight from the executive branch of the government here in South Carolina to have the Confederate flag removed from State House grounds, gaining her national notoriety. Again, a rise to the ambassadorship to the UN, where she there are still sound bites circulating of her time at the UN, where she was considered a no holds barred. I'm going to point the finger at you quite frequently. She's going to have support. The thing is, you've got to raise money, and, and now's the time to start raising money. She's only the second, and if you count John Bolton, the third person to announce a run for president of the United States. But she has a pack behind her, uh, the Stand for America pack that she established. Um, she has that going out here on the on the on the ether out here to raise money because that's what you got to do to become president you got to raise money and for her the key is going to be the South Carolina primary the first in the south perform moderately well in Iowa and New Hampshire right i i think as of right now if we talk about the other candidates that are in Nikki Haley's polling third or worse right now as many are you have Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis, who has not announced yet. Then you have Nikki Haley, Tim Scott, Mike Pompeo, and a few others kind of, Mike Pence kind of globbing around there in the middle of the pack. Perform well in Iowa. Perform moderately well in New Hampshire, where she has campaigned for others just in these midterm elections. And then make your way to South Carolina. Uh, South Carolina is vitally important for Nikki Haley. Vitally important. As a former governor, you can't finish worse than second here, in my opinion. I mean, you have to perform well here to stay in the race. And usually by South Carolina, we kind of know where folks are. We know who the big dog is in the park, so to speak. Now, President Trump mentioned in those comments that we just showed you that, that Nikki Haley at one time had said that she would not run against President Trump if he chose to run for president again. Now, you might be thinking, well, that might be a little tongue-in-cheek from the former president. Actually, it's not. Here's the video of Nikki Haley at, at, a, at, a, at an event, at, a, at an engagement where there was some press availability, and, and here's what she said when asked, would you run against the former president in 2024? He still has a lot of popularity. If he runs again in 2024, will you support him? Yes. If he decides that he's going to run, would that preclude any sort of run that you would possibly make yourself? I would not run if President Trump ran. And I would talk to him about it. You know, I mean, that's something that we'll have a conversation about at some point if that decision is something that has to be made. But yeah, I would, I would absolutely. I had a great working relationship with him. I appreciated the way he let me do my job. Um, I thought we did some fantastically great foreign policy things together. And look, I just want to keep building on what we accomplished and not watch it get torn down. And one last thing here before we get out of here for the day, obviously a quick version of the podcast today. Appreciate you joining us. Uh, wherever you're watching, whether it's video on our app or website or on YouTube or on Facebook or whether you're listening 
on Apple Podcasts, or Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We thank you so much for tuning us in on a Wednesday or whenever you're choosing to listen to this podcast. We have a special guest coming up later on in the week that we are excited about. Before we get out of here today, I want to go back a few days to a Senate hearing. Uh, let me get to the actual story here. Uh, this was a nominee for the U.S. District Judge for the Eastern District of Washington. Named, uh, she is currently the Spokane County Superior Court Judge, Charnel Bejelkengren. Bejelkengren, I'll go with it. I don't know if the B is silent or not. Senator John Kennedy of Louisiana asked this judge a few questions. They seem very straightforward. And the answers may or may not shock you, depending on if you pay attention at all to this president and whom he feels fits best for a job. Judge, on the far end, uh, tell, tell me what Article 5 of the Constitution does. Article 5 is not coming to mind at the moment. Okay. How about Article 2? Neither is Article 2. Okay. Do you know what purposivism is? Um, in my 12 years as an assistant attorney general huh? and my nine years serving as a judge, I was not faced with that precise question. Um, we are the highest trial court in Washington state, so I'm frequently faced with um, issues that I'm not familiar with, and I thoroughly review the law, our research, and apply the law to the facts presented to me. Well, you're going to be faced with it as a, if you're confirmed. I can assure you of that. Again, I don't expect the everyday man or woman to be able to cite Article 5 of the Constitution. But if someone's being nominated by the President of the United States for a federal court position, I certainly expect that judge to be able to render some sort of answer to the question, what does Article 5 of the Constitution say? What does Article 2 of the Constitution say? But in case we're a little fuzzy on that, maybe these, you know what, maybe these articles don't really matter. You know, maybe... Maybe our framers just put something in there about how Article 5 of the Constitution says that McDonald's Big Mac always has to be under $5. What's interesting is Article 5 and Article 2 are rather important pieces of the Constitution. Well, go in the order in which he asked them. Senator John Kennedy asking these. Article 5 of the Constitution says... Uh, it describes the process for altering the Constitution. Here's the text. The Congress, whenever two-thirds of both houses shall deem it necessary, shall propose amendments to this Constitution or on the application of the legislatures of two-thirds of the several states shall call a convention for, for proposing amendments, which in either case shall be valid to all intents and purposes as part of this Constitution when ratified by the legislatures of three-fourths of the several states or by conventions in three-fourths thereof as the one or the other mode of ratification may be proposed by the Congress, provided that no amendment which may be made prior to the year 1808 shall in any manner affect the first and fourth clauses in the ninth section of the first article, and that no state without its consent shall be deprived of equal suffrage in the Senate. 
representatives to the Senate can't be removed. And this Article 5 outlines the process in which we amend the Constitution, either by two-thirds majority of both houses or by a majority of states ordering a convention of states, which, by the way, that process is happening now. Like, this isn't some faraway fairy tale land thing. It's happening right now. She's like, okay, okay, Justin. Okay, cool. Article 5 Constitution amendments. Okay, that never happens, though, man. All right, what about Article 2? Article 2 of the Constitution has a couple of different sections. Article 2 of the United States Constitution establishes the executive branch of the federal government, which carries out and enforces federal law. It vests the power of the executive branch in the office of the president, lays out the procedures of how we elect and remove the president, and establishes the powers and responsibilities of the president. So there are three sections. Section 1 establishes the positions of president and vice president and sets the term of both offices as well. Um, it vests power in the uh, executive branch of the federal government, invests it with the president. And let's see here. Section 2 lays out the powers of the presidency, establishing the president as the commander-in-chief of the military, giving the president power to grant pardons. Section 3 lays out the responsibilities of the president, granting the president power to convene both houses of Congress, receive foreign representatives, and commission all federal officers. Section 3 of Article 2 also requires the president to inform Congress of the State of the Union. The Take Care Clause requires the president to obey and enforce all laws. Section 4 of Article 2 establishes that the president and other officers can be removed from office through the Impeachment process. A nominee for a federal judgeship cannot tell you that you don't have to know all of this specifically in that moment right there. I get it, man. You're not, you know, you're not Amy Coney Barrett. But at least be able to tell me that Section or Article 2 of the Constitution deals with the executive branch and the powers of the presidency. At least be able to tell me that Article 5 deals with amendments to the Constitution. Something. Give me something. This is why hires based specifically on diversity tend to not work out. Our country used to be a meritocracy where if you do a good job, you get a good job. And if you do a good job, you get promoted. Now, we base who we put in certain positions based on the color of their skin, not the content of their character, whether they're male or female, whether they're a man or a woman. Wait, what is a woman? We now have to nominate people to be transportation secretary who couldn't fill a pothole in South Bend, Indiana. But he's transportation secretary because he's gay. And we have an assistant admiral something of health that is literally the opposite of health. It's a man claiming to be a woman and pushing for gender reassignment surgeries, child mutilation among upon children in our country, all in the name of diversity and intersectionality. 
And what we end up with here are federal judges who are nominated or judges nominated for federal positions that cannot tell you what parts of the Constitution say. By the way, purposivism, in case you didn't know what purposivism was, is an approach to statutory and constitutional interpretation under which common law courts interpret an enactment within the context of the law's purpose. Um, it's a little different than originalism. It's a little different from orig- original intent. And it's, and it's slightly different than the whole living constitution argument. My point is this. Federal judges need to know what the Constitution says. And if we're just nominating federal judges simply based on the color of their skin or whether they're a male or a female or whether they're neither or whether they're both, it's a problem. It's a problem. Hopefully the next president can handle this a little bit better. Who's going to be that next president? Is it Donald Trump? Is it Nikki Haley? Will it be Joe Biden again? We don't know. But we do know that the race for the White House is heating up ahead of the 2024 election cycle. Again, former governor Nikki Haley of the state of South Carolina seeking to become the first South Carolinian to reside in the White House as president since Andrew Jackson. Quite a long time. Looking to be the first South Carolinian to mount a significant challenge for the presidency in quite a long time. We appreciate you joining us today for Kevin Cayello, Mitch Prosser, Dave Wilson, I'm Justin Hall. Thank you so much for checking us out here on the fastest-growing conservative podcast in the state of South Carolina. It's the fastest-growing because of people like you. Liking this video, commenting on it, sharing it with your friends on social media, leaving us that five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. We thank you so much for your support of the show, and we look forward to a lot of great things ahead for this, the fastest-growing conservative podcast in the state of South Carolina. I'm Justin Hall. We'll see you later this week.